Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome everyone to episode number 139 from Delving into Islam podcast. This is your host, Wa'il, and it is a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a privilege that I'm able to talk to you about the religion of Islam and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is allowing me to share my knowledge with you. Thank you so much for listening and participating and sending in all your questions and suggestions. Uh, now, speaking of which, if you have any questions or suggestions, please email me at delvingintoislam at gmail.com. Again, delvingintoislam at gmail.com, and I will get back to you as soon as possible, inshallah. Also, if you want to learn about the release dates of the episodes or the dates, you know, where we take, uh, you know, a break or we, you know, we go on a break. And the episode titles ahead of time, then you can follow me on Instagram at Delving into Islam Podcast. Again, Delving into Islam Podcast, you know, to get all the latest updates. Uh, now, this podcast is for anyone, whether you are remotely curious about the religion of Islam, or if you're thinking about becoming a Muslim, or if you just became a Muslim, or if you've been a Muslim all of your life and, you know, just want to learn more about Islam. This podcast is for you, inshallah. Uh, now, with that being said, let's get right into today's topic. And today's topic, um, it's simply a continuation of uh, uh, the, the, the topic of Ya'juj and Ma'juj. It's not its own sign. So we finished, you know, we talked about the, the first three signs, which, you know, they are the, the coming of the Antichrist. Uh, the second coming of Jesus Christ and uh, the uh, basically the unleashing of, of uh, the nation of Yajuj and Majuj. Um and uh, these the, these are the first three signs again the the, the 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 chronological order of those signs were was speculated by scholars uh, but it makes sense again if you look at all the hadith uh, the, the the Quranic verses it makes sense that you know, the first three signs would be the Antichrist, the second coming of Jesus Christ, and the Juj and Majuj. Now, today's episode, we're not, even though we concluded what will happen with the, you, you know, Juj and Majuj and how they will, you know, meet their demise and all these things in the last episode, uh, today is not a new uh, sign. Like, to, we're not going to talk about the fourth sign yet. Today is simply a continuation of what happens. After this, what, what what what's going on? What what will take place? What are the events that will take place that are not considered major signs? The Prophet, you know, the Prophet Sallam told us about uh, through various hadith. We know what's going to happen, but it, again, whatever we will talk about today, because uh, if you think about it, today we will talk about the time of Jesus Christ on Earth after you know the the the, the end of Yajuj and Majuj. That's basically a combination between the second major sign, which is the second coming, right? This is continuing that story. And it's also a continuation of the third sign, which is the the nation of Yajuj and Majuj. So we'll see what happens after. Uh, and yeah, we'll see what what, what what are the events that, you know, will take place uh, after the end uh, of Yajuj and Majuj. Now, before we get into what happens, there are a few things that I want to clarify. First of all, what are the lessons that we learned from the story of Yajuj and Majuj? We didn't discuss that last time, but I think it's very uh, appropriate for us to discuss it in, in, you know, in today's episode. Well, number one lesson is 
Corruption leads to destruction. Doesn't matter how powerful you are. It doesn't matter how, you know, mighty you are or you might think you are. If you are corrupt, you will meet your end and you will your end will be a bad one. This is Allah's wisdom subhanallah. This is Allah's sunnah in this life. Right? Allah's uh, method in this life. Now some people might not meet their demise or their fall or their end in this life, which it's actually a worse fate because that means they will everything has been kept, you know, for them uh, till the day of judgment, which is a really bad sign. That means Allah has there's no mercy. There's no remorse. That means you're too terrible of a human being. You're too evil that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wouldn't even give you some sort of a, a, a resolution or um, uh, some sort of redemption in this life, right? Uh, we know that a lot of evil people, they uh, face consequences on punishment. This is actually a mercy from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Being punished, we talked about this. Being punished in this life is a mercy from Allah. It's a type of mercy because Allah is fair, right? When you are punished in this life, that means in the hereafter, your punishment will definitely be less. Those who are never punished, we, we also talked about those types of people. Yeah, it's a problem for them. So again, no matter how powerful, because look at the nation of Yajudamajuj. They are completely powerful. They're unstoppable, literally unstoppable. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told Jesus Christ, do not even try to stop them. I will stop. Allah will stop them. However, they aren't stoppable by other human beings. Even uh, Prophet Isa alayhi salam, Prophet Jesus Christ, peace be upon him. Okay? All right. Now, they were wreaking havoc. They were causing, you know, mass extinction. They were doing things, terrible things, murdering everyone, killing everything. Yet they died how? A worm. A worm. Subhanallah. <laughs> a worm. A naghaf. A worm. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is showing us that it took nothing for Allah to destroy them. Nothing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to destroy them completely. They all died as, like the Prophet said, as one person. There was not even a long process to their death. No, no, no. They all died at once. So if you think you're too powerful in your position, in your community, in your household, and you're abusing that power, it's... Think about it this way. This abuse is causing corruption. It's corrupting you and corrupting everything around you because of that. Then think about Ya'juj and Majuj. They were unstoppable, simply unstoppable. But they had their end. They met their end. And it was the worst end. Do not abuse power. Don't. If you are in a position of power, in any type, again, even in your own household, Use it for goodness. Be good to people. Be kind to people because everything ends. Even, quote unquote, the most unstoppable force that will come uh, before the end of time, before the day of judgment, which is Ya'juja Ma'juj, even then, they were stopped by the tiniest thing. SubhanAllah. So think about that. Another lesson that we you know, can learn uh, is patience. Patience. We are lacking it. And I'm including myself, by the way. We lack patience in today's world. And we need to understand that patience is significant in our religion. 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala وَالصَّابِرُونَ وَالصَّابِرِينَ فَبَشِّرُ الصَّابِرِينَ Allah talked about the sabirun والصَّابِرِينَ Those who are patient so many times in the Qur'an. Give them glad tidings. بَشِّر Give them good news of Jannah, of incredible rewards. But then something bad happens, we lose it. Now I'm not saying all of us, but again, we have our moments. I have my moments. We get very stressed, we get impatient, and we can't we can't function. We can't function. And unfortunately, sometimes it depends on the severity of the situation. We completely forget about being patient. And how would Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would, would help us if we are patient? And how would Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would reward us if we are patient? We forget about that. Imagine those believers with Jesus Christ, with Al-Mahdi, facing an unstoppable force that if they just see you for a second, you're dead. You're dead. They had to live through that. And when they were seeking refuge, when they will seek refuge in the mountain of Tur, what happens? Starvation, drought, no food. So they they, they got out of one situation, one, one danger, by you know seeking refuge in the mountain of Tur. Then when they got there and they thought, oh, life is better now. Another problem faced them. Critical one. People dying from starvation. And they were still patient. Or the majority of them, at least. We don't know every single one, if every single one was patient. But let's say that the majority were patient, inshallah. We should learn from that. You know, our lives are limited. I keep reminding myself and reminding you, my dear brothers and sisters. It's limited doesn't matter how long you will live, how long you're meant to live. 80 years, 70, 60, it doesn't really matter because it's at the end of the day, it is limited. You know, if you're 20 years old now, or if you are 30 years old, or if you're 40 years old, look back and you lost 40 years of your life if you are 40. Look back and you will see that you lost 30 years of your life if you are 30, and so on and so forth. It's limited. Whatever you did in in your life, it's gone. You're not going to get it back. Now, what makes those years, those 40, 30, 20, 50 years that pass from your life, what would make them matter is that if you use them for good, to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you've done your best, we're not saying that you were the perfect worshiper because no such thing. Allah expecting us to make mistakes, no problem. But if you use them, to the best of your abilities, to the best of your you know capabilities to worship Allah, to encourage goodness, to forbid evil, then you are from the winners, inshallah. Then having the, the idea that life is limited, it doesn't really matter. Now, part of that struggle in life, part of those years that you have to live on earth is to be patient. When you have a calamity that you cannot basically fix, when you have a calamity that you are unable to, you know, navigate through and uh, easily find a solution for when you are hit with such a calamity just be patient you should be patient regardless but we're saying like even when you are hit with a calamity that you don't think there is a solution for patience is the solution now comes with patience another thing that we should learn from you which is what trusting in Allah because if you are patient you have for how long 
you understand, like, let's say that you were hit with a calamity today and it was really severe. It was really difficult. It was really bad. And you were patient, mashallah. You followed the sunnah of the Prophet, and you followed the commands of the Quran, you know, be from the patient. Okay. But for how long? Well, if it's not getting fixed, what are you going to do? Trust in Allah. It goes hand in hand. You have to, it goes together. It's a bundle. Being patient while trusting in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Patience alone doesn't, doesn't matter, just to let you know. Patience alone does not matter. Patience plus trusting in Allah, it makes all the difference in the world. It will make your life better and also, and actually more importantly, it will make your hereafter better by Allah rewarding you for being patient and trusting in Him. What did the believers do while they were inside the mountain of Tur? They were patient while making dua. While trusting that Allah would save them if they make dua. They were trusting in Allah. Allah will save us. That's why their patience was stronger. Because they have hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Trust in Allah. My dear brothers and sisters, no one will help you on the face of this earth but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah could help you through people. Now, you'll be, and excuse the language, a fool, I'm sorry to say that, but you'll be a fool to think that people are helping you. It's Allah helping you through people. Appreciate the people because they are the means. Appreciate them. Show them respect. If they, of course, you know, deserve respect. People that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is using them as means to help you. Through them, Allah is helping you. You have to show appreciation. But more importantly, you have to, actually, this is the only thing that truly matters for you hereafter is to show appreciation to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Trust in Allah. Trust that Allah will find you an exit out of this trouble that you're in. Trust in Allah. It's critical to trust in Allah. Wallahi. It will give you this concept of happiness in this life. And it will, inshallah, be a bigger boost for you to enter paradise, inshallah. Because there's nothing guaranteed, by the way. That's why I said it will give you a boost. It will you know, increase your chances of entering paradise. Because no one, by the way, is guaranteed paradise. The Prophet himself said what? I don't think I can enter paradise uh, unless it's, you know, by the mercy of Allah, not by my deeds. Our deeds are not enough because Allah gave you everything. Remember, if you think your repentance will give you hasanat, will give you good deeds, who taught you to have to repent? It's Allah. So technically, you don't deserve those rewards. Now, some might say, well, how would I do that? In you know when I don't know how to repent, how would I repent if I don't know how to repent? Right? Well, Allah could have easily, and if Allah is not just, and if Allah doesn't have mercy, and we know that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is the opposite, Allah has the ultimate justice. Allah is the just, the just, and Allah has the ultimate mercy that some like a mercy that we could never comprehend, and we will see you know see it being manifested on the day of judgment. So Allah out of his mercy is teaching you And when you do what he's teaching you He rewards you We talked also about that concept before So trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And inshallah you shall have A a relaxed More relaxed No we're not meant to be relaxed We we talked about this in You know trials and and, uh, tests That are you know And hardships that topic But you will meant to have a more You will be able to face hardship better When you trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
And those people, those believers who were stuck inside of the mountain of Tur, they believed and trusted in Allah while they were patient. And the last thing that we will learn from them, inshallah, dua. They were making dua day and night, praying to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Jesus Christ himself, Isa alayhi salam, Prophet Isa, making dua to Allah day and night, making dua to Allah day and night. It's critical. It's critical. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, by the way, calls dua a type of worship. Allah saying in the Quran, uh, I believe in the chapter of Ghafir, verse number 60. Chapter of Ghafir, verse number 60. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said what? وَقَالَ رَبُّكُمْ ادْعُونِي أَسْتَجِبْ لَكُمْ إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَسْتَكْبِرُونَ عَنْ عِبَادَتِي سَيَدْخُلُونَ جَهَنَّمَ دَاخِرِينَ Allah saying in, 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 in that verse, make dua for me. Make dua for me and I shall answer your prayers. And again, there are conditions and there are Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala could answer our prayers in a specific way that we might not comprehend or understand. But Allah is saying, make dua for me. And if it's good for you, I will respond and I will give you what you want. Look what Allah says. And as for those who are too arrogant to worship me. Wait, what? Why would Allah say, make dua? And if you don't, if you refuse to worship me, then you shall enter hellfire. What does that mean? That means that dua is a type of worship. Because Allah said, again, let me, I just want to explain to you this verse. Again, look it up. It's verse, uh, it's chapter of verse number 60. Allah saying, make dua for me. But if you don't, and if you refuse to worship me, those who are too arrogant to make dua for me, those who are too arrogant to worship me, ibadati means to worship me, they shall enter hellfire. Now, that clearly proves that making dua to Allah is part, a critical part of our worship. This is from this verse. It's obvious. Allah is explicitly telling you, making dua for me, asking me to do things, praying for me, is a type of worship. And if you refuse, now we're not talking about those, Allah's not talking about those who forget, those who are oblivious. Allah's talking about those who refuse, blatantly refuse to make dua. I'm going to do my own thing. I can achieve what I want without asking Allah. Some people are arrogant like that, and Allah's calling them arrogant. You know, Allah is saying, those who are too arrogant to worship me, to make dua for me, they shall enter hafar because they refuse, not because they forget. So don't, don't worry if you forget, but because they, on purpose, refuse to make dua. So dua is a big deal. Again, Allah is calling it part of worship, part of worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we have to make dua as much as we can. Yes, we might forget sometimes, but go back to Allah. Rest assured that you won't navigate through this life. You won't get what you want unless you ask Allah for it. Now, some people might get what they want without asking Allah, like many disbelievers, many non-Muslims, right? Well, don't, you know, don't, don't think that they are, you know, they have it. They got it. They are happy. No, because guess what? If they have everything they want in this life, if they have this fake happiness, this temporary happiness, on the day of judgment, they have nothing to talk to Allah with. They have nothing in the records to tell Allah, oh Allah, please let us into, you know, admit us into uh, paradise. They have nothing. So they're not truly happy. They're getting what they want because this life is fake, right? 
they're getting whatever they want. And if they're too arrogant to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and I'm talking about literally worshiping Allah, you know, admitting that Allah is one, too arrogant to become Muslims, then guess what? Yeah, whatever they're having in this life is not going to last. So you want to have something good in this life and in the hereafter, make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is the the, 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 that is key That is the key to happiness That is the key to happiness That is the key to entering paradise inshallah So these uh, Again it's a few things that we uh, You know uh, Should learn about Yajuj uh, uh, and uh, And the lessons learned from Yajuj and Majuj Right Also another thing that the Prophet Is a very interesting hadith The Prophet said If you were from those people Who will witness Yajuj and Majuj and witness their time, rest assured that it, in a couple of years, uh, the Day of Judgment is taking place. And the Prophet made a very interesting comparison. He said that it's like, uh, you know, when a pregnant lady has her water broken. You know, it's, you're, if a pregnant lady is waiting now, any moment now, her water will break. So this is, it's, subhanAllah, it's a comparison. Like once Jujumajuj happened, the Prophet is saying, if you witness this, rest assured now, it's any moment now. Like a pregnant lady waiting for her water to break. It's happening any moment right now. And we know that there are a few things, again, according to the hadith of the Prophet there are a few things that will take place. Uh, but they will happen, like I said in the last episode, they will happen kind of fast. All the rest of the seven signs, the major signs, will happen kind of fast. Yes, there will be a few years, but a few years is nothing in, in the time of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A few couple of few years, seven, eight, nine years, that's nothing. And imagine that you are alive right now, and you know that within seven years, within eight years, the day of judgment will take place. You will witness the day of judgment. How would you feel? How would you feel? So that's what I mean by it could happen any time within a few years. The Prophet ﷺ, that is again a hadith by uh, the Prophet ﷺ himself. Now, we ended the, the, the last uh, episode uh, by uh, mentioning that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, after, uh, you know, Juja Ma'juj will die, their smell will be unbearable. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will send a specific, very special, non out of this world kind of birds with long necks that they will carry all the bodies of Juja Ma'juj and they will disappear. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will send uh, this heavy rain, remember, uh, and th th it will wash earth basically. It will clean every spot, every inch on earth, and it will reach everywhere. It will make it a brand new earth. The Prophet calls it a brand new earth. It's just brand new. Very shiny. It's like a mirror. The, the Prophet called it like a mirror. It's going to look like a mirror, like very shiny, very new, brand new, sealed, you know? And now after all of this, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with this blessed water, with this blessed rain, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will command earth. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will command earth to produce its blessings. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala again will command earth to produce its blessings. And there will be incredible amount of fruits and the blessings of those fruits are out of this world. It's something that, again, earth has never witnessed before since the creation of earth. Since the creation of earth. Imagine that. The amount of blessings. And we're going to talk about why. 
But before we talk about why, I want to tackle a question that was sent to us by one of our listeners that is related to this topic. I When, when I read the question, um, uh, it makes sense to put it in today's topic and today's context instead of having it you know, in a, in a Q&A episode. Now, while this is happening, while Earth is being renewed, who will be the leader of the Muslims and the world, basically? Who will be the leader? It's Jesus Christ. Like I said, he's coming as a leader now, as a ruler, as a king, not as a prophet, because there's no, there's no, there's nothing to send. There's no more message. There's no new message coming from Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. The last message from Allah, in terms of revelation, in terms of religion, was Islam and will always be Islam. As a matter of fact, Jesus Christ Himself, the Prophet told us, will follow the Sharia of Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He's not coming with a new Sharia, uh, with a new theology, with a new religion, with a new commands. No, 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 none of that. He came for a specific task. The first task was to defeat the Antichrist. The second task was to take the believers and seek refuge uh, away from Juj Majuj. The third one, he will rule. Uh, now, the word "rule Earth," he will have the the he will be the the biggest, the most powerful king on Earth. He will be a ruler, and he will, as a matter of fact, he will rule Muslims and non-Muslims. Okay, the, remember we said there were non-Muslims who scattered and left and they were hiding from Yajid. Very few, but they will be under his kingdom as well. Now, it's something very interesting and, and worth to uh, you know point out, which this story of Yajid and itself, it started with a king, the king with the two horns, Dhul-Qarnayn. It started with such a king and he was, again, the most powerful king on earth. Right? And subhanAllah, it ended, it concluded with a new king, Jesus Christ, Isa alayhi a ruler. Now explicit, the word king itself was not explicit in the Quran, but a ruler, the Prophet called him in an authentic hadith, The Prophet said he will be the ruler of almost everyone. Like the Quran, he was the ruler of almost everyone. And he will rule with justice. He will rule with justice. Okay? So it's just kind of poetic that it, the, the story of Yajuja Majuj, the origin story, if you want to call it, started with uh, the king with the two horns. And now, subhanAllah, it's ending. It's, it concluded with uh, Jesus Christ, Isa alayhi salam, being a, uh, a king as well, a ruler as well, who is also a ruler for most of earth. Okay. So that is just, I thought it was a very interesting comparison that we needed to look at. Uh, now, the question comes to us from one of our listeners, uh, John. John, thank you so much for your question. And uh, by the way, congratulations and welcome to Islam. Brother John is a new convert. Uh, and John had uh, a question, a very, as a matter of fact, it's a very interesting question. I was never asked that question before. And I think it's a very, very interesting one. Now, John, and I'm, I'm going to paraphrase here. I'm not going to, you know, say letter for letter. I'm just going to paraphrase his his email. He's saying that okay. In, now, in the Quran, Jesus Christ, the story of Jesus Christ is, is emphasized. It's important. We have a whole chapter named after his mother, Maryam. Uh, may Allah, so, uh, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala be pleased with her. You know, we had the chapter of Maida talking about Jesus Christ. He's mentioned a lot in the Quran, and he had uh, he will have a significant effect in the future that's what we're talking about right now he will defeat the antichrist 
he will not defeat the Ajudah but he will protect or help lead the Muslims to seek refuge away from or you know to be protected from Ya'juja Ma'juj Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will uh, you know send a worm to do uh, the, the feeding of Ya'juja Ma'juj but he has a big role he will come back and he will rule the Muslims and rule now he's not like I said I just want to keep reminding you he won't be a prophet the last messenger is the messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he will come back as a ruler, as a leader of the Muslims, right? And uh, so obviously he is significant in, in our religion. And we have stories, many stories about him, his miracles, you know, curing the blind by the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, temporarily sometimes resurrecting the dead, uh, curing the leopard. And a lot of, we have a lot of stories about Jesus Christ, right? He was lifted. Uh, to the heavens because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not want uh, you know the children of Israel to uh, crucify him and, and torture him and humiliate him and we, he is again significant so the question is John is asking why isn't he part of our worship now he's saying John is saying in the email he understand that Jesus is not divine we believe that Jesus is not divine we get that but it's like why is he not part of our worshiping routine why is he not invoked in our rituals since he is significant and he has significant role to do in the past and in the future and i'm assuming when john john means by we we invoke our prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam right he is part of our worship we don't worship him don't get me wrong again i want to make that clear we never would never even close worship the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam but he's part of our rituals that's what it's meant here. When we praise him, when we say sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he is part of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded us. Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima. O you who believe, Allah is addressing us. Praise your prophet. This is a command, direct command from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Praise your sallu alayhi and send salams upon him. Right? He is part of our tashahud. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala ali Muhammad kama sallayta ala Ibrahim wa ala ali Ibrahim. He is part of our salah, our daily prayers. If someone says his name in front of you, you're obligated to say sallallahu alayhi wa to send praises upon him. When someone says sallallahu alayhi wa you have to say alayhi salatu wa salam. You have to respond the praise. So I'm assuming John means that part. Why is he not part of this? Because again, you cannot invoke any human being in worshiping it's only allah otherwise it will be shirk we're worshiping allah subhanahu wa ta'ala there's no one can be with that worship like worshiping allah subhanahu wa ta'ala no one can be involved no no human being no prophet muhammad sallam, no prophet isa nobody can be involved in the worship however it's part of our rituals our worship that we praise the prophet sallam. by the way that's all we do think about it what do we what else do we do regarding the prophet sallam? What else we are required to do? Nothing. Just send peace and blessings upon him. Praise the Prophet by saying Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. You don't make dua for the Prophet. You send salawat and salam upon the Prophet. Again, you praise him, his family members, the companions. That's praising right there. That's all we're required to do, by the way. There's nothing you can't do anything else, by the way. You cannot do anything else. For the Prophet ﷺ. you send and when you do that, when you send blessings and peace and uh, and and praise him, you get rewarded for that. 
As a matter of fact, no. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I apologize. We do make du'a for the Prophet I, I just completely forgot that. But it's just a very specific du'a for the Prophet You know, when you, again, when you, the, the thing we do during Tashad, Allah, we're asking Allah to send salam and praise upon the Prophet That itself is du'a. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala Ali Muhammad kama sallayta ala Ibrahim wa ala Ali Ibrahim. So this is, again, it's a type of du'a. But there is also another very specific du'a. And that we make, we should make as Muslims after every adhan we hear. So when we hear the call for prayers, when we hear the adhan, there's a dua that is specifically made for the Prophet ﷺ by every believer. And when we make such dua, the Prophet ﷺ is saying that he will intercede on our behalf on the Day of Judgment for those who make the dua. There's a special type of intercession. We're going to get to that, inshallah, in a lot of detail uh, when we get to the Day of Judgment itself. But for now, there's a specific da'a. So once the adhan is over, once the call for prayer is over, you say, Allahumma rabba hadihi da'wati tamma wa salatu qa'ima. Here's the da'a. Ati Sayyidina Muhammad al-wasilata wal-fadilata wa darajata al-aliyata al-rafi'a wa ba'athu Allahumma maqaman mahmudan aladhi wa'atta innaka la tukhlifu al-mi'ad. It's a whole dua for the Prophet. So you're saying, Ati Sayyidina Muhammad al Wasilat al Fadilah. Number one, al Wasila, there's a hadith by the Prophet when he basically asked us as believers to make that dua for him after every other. He said, the Al Wasila is a level, a very high, high, the highest level in Jannah. And the Prophet would really want to have that. And come on, the Prophet worked so hard. You know, to get to that. But again, he will never get it, like he said before, unless it's with the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and our dua as well. And uh, so Al Wasila is the highest level of Jannah, very high level in Jannah that the Prophet would like to go to. And Al Fadila is basically a higher status than the rest of mankind. And again, he already has it because uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves the Prophet uh, like no one else. He is the most preferred human being to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But again, we're asking Allah to keep him in that status. So as he said, Muhammad Al Wasila Al Fadila, also it's the high level we're asking him to be one of the highest highest levels in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala وَبْعَثُ اللَّهُمَّ مَقَامًا مَحْمُودًا الَّذِي وَعَدْتَهِ إِنَّكَ لَا تُخْلِفُ الْمِعَادِ we're saying, oh Allah, when you resurrect us resurrect him on a high status and he indeed shall have the highest status of those who are resurrected which is all of mankind he will be the like we said he will be the first to be resurrected and you know, he will have the highest status on the day of resurrection. So that is a dua that we make. So again, I take back, you know, we do make dua for the Prophet ﷺ, but again, he's not part of the actual worship. We praise him, we make a specific dua. He tells us, by the way, he told us what dua to make. He told us exactly what dua to make, so we make that specific dua, but, but that's it. So now the question is, why is Jesus not part of this as well, since he is significant? And the, the answering this question is very, it's, it's, I'll give you the simple answer, which is the definitive answer. And then I will give you uh, the, the more explained answer. And, and again, some of it will make logical sense. The, the simple answer, the definitive answer is Allah never asked us to do so. It's that simple. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because how do we worship Allah? How do we do our rituals? It, it all comes from Allah. How? The how comes from Allah. The when comes from Allah. 
The what comes everything regarding worshiping Allah, regarding our religion, comes directly from Allah through the Quran or the Sunnah, or both. Okay, so Allah Subhanahu wa Taala never asked us in any verse to invoke or to make Jesus Christ, peace be upon him, part of the worship, part of our rituals. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala also never inspired the Prophet Sallallahu to tell us in the Hadith that we should do so. So the simple definitive answer is we were never asked by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala nor the Prophet to make Jesus Christ part of our worship. That's it. That's it's that simple. Now doing so, that's you're going against the Quran and you're going you're doing something that Allah never asked you to do. And it's not just that it won't be accepted, it will you'll become a sinner because you're doing something that Allah never asked you to do as part of your religion. So you become a sinner as well. So that is the simple answer. Now, if you want to dive deep into the logical answer, why would Allah not ask us to do that? If you want to speculate, if you want to use logic here, intellect, right? And we, again, we, this is, I have to point out, this is pure speculation. This is pure speculation. What we know is Allah never asked us to do so. That is a fact. That's an undeniable fact. If you want to speculate in a logical sense, let's think about it. If you want to do that with Prophet Isa, Jesus Christ, then you have to do it with every other prophet. Because every other prophet, many prophets are very significant in the Quran. Such as Prophet Yusuf. There's a whole chapter, a long chapter, called the chapter of Yusuf, Joseph. Prophet Joseph, Prophet Yusuf, then he, he should be also, and his story is fascinating. He's actually multiple stories are fascinating. Inshallah, we're going to get to uh, the stories of the prophets after we finish the day of judgment, inshallah, completely. But for now, his, pro, his, his stories are significant in the Quran. Prophet Ibrahim, السلام, the father of all prophets. As a matter of fact, the great, 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 great grandfather of Prophet Muhammad وسلم, himself from the progeny of Sayyidina Ismail. We should invoke him as well. And as a matter of fact, we do. We do. When you say during the, the tashahud, what do you say at the end of the tashahud? Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala ali Muhammad kama sallayta ala Ibrahim wa ala ali Ibrahim. This is a command from Allah. This is how you pray. This is coming. Do you see now? We do whatever Allah tells us to do. So Allah told us when you are doing tashahud after you, you know, during the prayers, you have to praise Prophet Muhammad and you say, because that, that's what it literally means. It says, Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala ali Muhammad. Oh Allah, uh, praise, basically you're praising. Oh Allah, uh, uh, send salah and salam upon Prophet Muhammad and his family, like, this is the meaning, as you Allah did with Prophet Ibrahim and the family of Prophet Ibrahim. Okay, that is what this portion means. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala ali Muhammad kama sallayta ala Ibrahim wa ala ali Ibrahim. Oh Allah, uh, praise and, and peace and, and, and salams upon Prophet Muhammad As you did with Prophet Ibrahim This is part of our salah But we we are not required With Prophet Ibrahim To say Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam You should Like I always say Peace be upon him right With pro- any Prophet Peace be upon him You should You get rewards inshallah For respecting the Prophets And loving them However you're not required unless it's Prophet Muhammad This is the only one that you, requ- you have to. You're, again, like I said, the hadith. You are a sinner. 
if you don't or, or basically if you refuse to send a praise uh, upon the Prophet if you refuse to do so you are a sinner you have to mention him and praise him this is an obligation for every Muslim okay so if you want to do it for Jesus Christ you have to do it with every other Prophet Prophet Musa by the way the most mentioned Prophet in the Quran did you guys know that? The most mentioned prophet in the Quran is Prophet Musa Come on. Prophet Musa talked to Allah directly. He did not see Allah. Nobody saw Allah, by the way. But he spoke to Allah during uh, by the mountain of Tur, by the way. Remember we talked about this last time. The mountain of Tur, the one in Egypt, not the same mountain that you know Jesus Christ will seek refuge in. That this one in Palestine. And again, there's no explicit text text that said that. But if you want to use common sense or logic, it makes sense that. Prophet Isa Jesus Christ will seek refuge in the mountain of Tur in Palestine. There is another mountain of Tur in Egypt. This is where Prophet Musa Moses, uh, peace be upon him, spoke to Allah directly. Isn't he more worthy to mention his name and invoke him in our rituals and you know invoke him in our worship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? He spoke to Allah directly. We were never asked to do so. Right? And again, there are many Prophet Yunus alayhi salam, many prophets and messengers, many prophets and messengers. So the fact that Prophet Isa alayhi salam, Jesus, Jesus Christ peace be upon him, is mentioned a lot in the Quran, has a significant role to play. That doesn't mean that we have to. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us who do we have to mention? Who do we have to invoke? And by the way, the, again, like I said, the only way to invoke him is to praise him. That's it. We don't do anything else but to praise him. Right? Now, if you want to expand, let's dive even deeper now into that question. Why shouldn't we do it with every other prophet? Because now we agree that all prophets are equal now. All prophets are equal. If we want to mention Jesus Christ, then we have to mention everyone else. But now we were not told to mention anyone else. As a matter of fact, like I said, Prophet Ibrahim, uh, peace be upon him, is the one that we have we have to mention during our salah, and that's it. And again, it's coming from Allah. But also in the chapter of Baqarah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, What La nufarraku bayna ahadim min rusuli. We do not differentiate between the prophets and the messengers. Meaning what? In terms of believing. We do not believe that one prophet is 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 to be believed and be followed, and other prophet wasn't actually a prophet. You cannot do that. All prophets and messengers send by Allah are the same in terms of what? In terms of believability. However, we know that prophets and messengers, they vary in uh, ranks. The Prophet said himself, like, like angels, they have ranks. Believers have ranks. Also prophets and messengers, they have ranks. Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us that Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is the highest rank. This is undebatable as well. Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is the highest rank. He will be the first human being to be resurrected on the day of judgment. He will be the first human being. No one will be resurrected before Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And we're going to get to that inshallah and we're going to talk about maybe there's an exception, maybe not, maybe we'll talk about that. But the Prophet explicitly said, I am the first one to be resurrected by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of judgment. And I'm the first one, again, Allah will give so much power to the Prophet you know, rightfully so, from our perspective, right? On the day of judgment, we will see things happening with the Prophet that subhanAllah, it will make us so proud of being Muslims, so proud of following his sunnah, those who follow his sunnah. 
So now, to us, the Prophet ﷺ is the one who's delivered the message to us. He's the one who's also number one, preferred by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah loves all the prophets and messengers. They are all special. All of them special. By the way, we love him. We love Jesus Christ. Why? Because he is a prophet of Allah. Allah chose him to be a special human being. However, we are allowed, we, as a matter of fact, we should love Prophet Muhammad وسلم, more than any other prophet. For one simple reason. He delivered the message to us. He delivered the message to us. Prophet Isa, وسلم, Jesus Christ, never delivered the message to us. He was not even sent to us. He was sent to a group of uh, people from the children of Israel. That's it. So I'm assuming when they uh, used to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I'm talking about the, the, the true Christians at the time, not today's Christians. I'm talking about those who truly followed uh, Jesus Christ as a prophet and worshiped Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I'm assuming, and again, this is all assumption that they were also invoking the name of Jesus Christ in their worship in terms of praise. Now, Prophet Jesus Christ, he was sent to them. Prophet Muhammad was sent to us. We owe him, like, come on, as much as for those of us who don't know him that well, unfortunately, it was if you ever enter Jannah, it's of course number one because of Allah's mercy. Number two, it's because of the struggles and the sacrifice of Prophet Muhammad to deliver to you and myself the message of Islam. So, yes, that's again, I keep repeating this is a, the, the why is a pure speculation. He delivered us the message. Jesus Christ, he did not deliver us the message. And at the end of the day, we have to. By the way, it's it's obligatory. And that shows you how messed up uh, we are as a community, as a nation, um, many of us. Because it's an obligation to love Prophet Muhammad wasallam more than anything else. More than anyone. More than your entire family. More than yourself. This is a hadith, by the way. Now, remember, for those who ask, what a weird hadith, right? Why would we love the Prophet more than anything else? Well, we love him more than anything else because the Prophet is the one who delivered the message to us. So if you're going to Jannah, it's because, uh, again, because of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, his guidance through Prophet Muhammad through the struggles and the sacrifice of Prophet Muhammad So the Prophet has every right for us to praise him the right way. And again, if Allah didn't ask us to praise Prophet Muhammad we would never praise him. We are strict. We follow Allah's rules and commands. Right, so that is uh, simply the the reason why I don't think it's again the the simple reason is Allah never asked us to do so, so we were not allowed to. We can't. The second thing is there are reasons why because if you want to mention Jesus Christ and if you want to invoke Him in our worship, then you have to do so with you know the rest of the prophets. And uh, the Prophet ﷺ struggled. He uh, sacrificed so much, so much for us. To you know, be upon Islam for the message of Islam to spread, and at the end of the day, Prophet Muhammad was sent to the entire world. The, by the way, Jesus Christ was sent to a group of people, not to the rest of the world. Moses was sent to a group of people, the children, the children of Israel. Prophet Muhammad was sent to the entire world because he was the final. We talked about this. He's the final messenger. No more. Chances, no second chances, no more, you know, religions. That's why when we talk about Jesus Christ return, the second coming, he's not going to come with any new religion. He's just going to come as a leader, as a fighter, as a ruler. That's it. Okay. So I hope John that answers your question. It's very logical. It makes sense. It makes sense, inshallah, and I hope that makes sense to you as well. Uh, and again, thank you, John, for your question. Now let's move on with the 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 era uh, or the reign of. 
Jesus Christ. Now, this time will be very peaceful. As a matter of fact, the Prophet said that it will be the most blessed time earth will ever witness since, like I said, the creation of earth. To the degree, hear this out, this is this is crazy, that people will eat one pomegranate. People will eat one pomegranate and they will shade with the skin of a pomegranate after they eat. A group of people will eat one pomegranate and they will shade under its skin, that rough skin, you know, the the outside skin of the of a pomegranate. They will use it as a shield, as I don't want to say an umbrella, but something like that from the sun, from the rain. How big pomegranates will be. Again, it's a time of blessings. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will tell earth, Hatima Indik. Bring what you have from goodness and blessings. Bring what you have. Allah will command earth to produce the best fruits and obviously significant in size. Do you guys, again, I want you to understand, this is uh, unreal. This is something that if we see now, we think it's a sci-fi. It's, it's, it's a fantasy. For people, a group of people, a group of people to eat a pomegranate, then use the skin as a shield from the sun or the rain, Come on. It's like a giant pomegranate, right? Also, uh, uh, the Prophet said, uh, 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 one piece of lamb will feed an entire tribe of people. Entire tribe of people. This is the, this is the, now will be the time of peace. Will be the time of blessings. Everything will be big and will be extra. No artificial here. No artificials here. No chemicals, no genetic manipulation, none of that when it comes to, uh, you know, uh, produce and, and vegetables and fruits, none of that. It's all natural. Can you imagine? A giant pomegranate is something that's natural, subhanAllah. This will be during the time of Jesus Christ, peace be upon him. Another thing is, people, like I said, lamb will feed an entire tribe, an entire village, one piece of, by the way, not the entire lamb. The first time I believe it was a lamb leg, like a big leg of lamb will feed. Again, how? Now, that doesn't mean that lambs will be, uh, or sheep will be giants, but it, that means there will be blessings. Like a tiny piece of meat will feed a lot of people. They will be full. They won't feel that they are hungry. And it's, subhanAllah, the Prophet comments on that time, on this era, and he, subhanAllah, said what? I wish I was alive to witness such a blessed time. Authentic hadith by the Prophet I wish I would be alive to witness that time, that peace era, uh, uh, you know, um, that will happen after the time of Ya'juj and Ma'juj. That means it's going to be beautiful, subhanAllah beautiful so guys you notice now this is uh alhamdulillah this this episode is on a positive note you know it was uh, a little bit dark for the past few episodes regarding the major signs the jajal what he will do to people yeah juja was pretty dark it was uh, very you know uh, apocalyptic type of uh, of stories uh, nonetheless they will happen unfortunately but that's allah's wisdom and that's allah's tests however today this episode the, the aftermath is something that's very beautiful very poetic, subhanAllah, very peaceful. Now, you might ask yourself, before we go uh, down the list of the blessings and the things that will, you know, the, the beauty of this era, why all of that? Why can't we have this now? 
The answer is simple. The believers during the time of Dajjal, the Antichrist, and the believers, they're probably most likely they will be the same generation. Because remember, it's going to happen within days, maybe, for you know, after the death of the Jal, the so it's the same generation. They will struggle and suffer during the time of the Jal. They will be patient, they will fight, they will, you know, try to be uh, uh, strong and you know, stand still. Then the same will happen during the time of Yajuj and Majuj. Remember, they will be patient, they will be tested with patience, they will trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they will go through a lot. Literally the end of the world. They will go through the end of time. The apocalypse. The apocalypse. And they, for, for the believers who will still be alive, who will survive, and they will survive because of their belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Following Allah's commands. So Allah, by the way, Remember the worst. What was the what? What did we say? The worst trial, the jail, right? The Antichrist. What did we say? The final major trial. Yeah, Judah Majus. That one generation, that same generation, witnessed the worst and the last major trials combined. Imagine one finished the other. Few days, probably few days, they faced the other one, one after another, and it was very and will be very difficult time. By the way, incredibly difficult. Imagine what we just talked about. Imagine this. It's terrifying. And those who will survive such time while they're keeping their faith, Allah would reward them unlike any other reward. Unlike us, when you do something good, Allah rewards you, inshallah. It's great. But surviving that kind of event, those kind of events, oh, the reward must be significant. And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make earth look like Something that never happened before You know, earth will be unlike anything That earth looked like uh, Since the creation of earth Pomegranate will be giant That a whole village will eat from it And they will use it as a shade There will be blessings in food All these things, and we're going to mention like, more, like I said more But the reason why is because those people Struggled enough They persevered They were patient enough through the most difficult thing A human being could You know, face so Allah is rewarding them by the best type of again the best type of reward is Jannah, is paradise. But we're talking about worldly wise, you know, stuff that are worldly rewards. That is that would be and will be the best reward an entire nation would receive in this life, regarding this life, not regarding the hereafter. So that's why Allah Subhanahu wa Taala will make Earth be something that it's again it's like Subhanallah fairy tale, Wallahi a fairy tale. Except that it's going to be real. SubhanAllah. Now, from the things, from the blessings also that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will, you know, cause, it is said that in, in other hadith that snakes will play with toddlers. Snakes will play with toddlers. And wolves and sheep will play together, will sit right next to each other. Wolves won't try to eat sheep. Snakes won't try to bite little children. What is this? Again, this is a key sign that it will be a time of pure peace, even between animals that are not supposed to have peace among each other. They will have that peace. Wolves and sheep will be right next to each other. Snakes and toddlers will play together. Subhanallah. 
it is the Prophet also said that there will not be two people fighting, period. Not even arguing. Can you imagine drama-free life? Drama-free life. Subhanallah. Two, can you imagine? The Prophet said there will be no two people fighting at all or arguing or, or, or having any grudges. Or it will be the word peace. Think about it this way. Anything that will exist in this life, including humans, animals, fruits, it will be blessed and peaceful. That's it. It will be a time unlike any other time. Again, unlike any other time since the creation of earth. Subhanallah. That will be the reward uh, of those who struggled through the time of the Antichrist and Ya'juj and Ma'juj. That will be the reward in this life at least. Look at this hadith by the Prophet Sallallahu the Prophet the, the hadith is long, but I want to just حَتَّى يَهْلَكُ اللَّهُ عَزَّ وَجَلِّ مَرْتُوَ مَسِيحِ الدَّلَيْلَ الْأَعْوَرَ Allah will, def, will cause the end of the Antichrist and then the end, the end of the Juja Majuj. Here's the thing. وَتَقَعُ الْآمِنَ عَلَى فِي الْأَرْضِ Peacefulness will consume earth. حَتَّى يَرْعَى الْأَسَدُ مَعَ الْإِبِلِ Lions will be playing next to the camels. Their food in this world, right? In this in this lifetime, camels are easily like nice, good food for lions. They will play together. When nimru ma'al baqari, and tigers will play with cows. With the abu ma'a al ghanami, and wolves will play with the sheep. Little toddlers, little kids will play with snakes. Play with them. It's like they're toys. But they're actually going to be real, live snakes. None of those you know, combinations will harm one another. There's no violence. Imagine this world. No violence, period. Period, subhanAllah. And Prophet Isa will be the just ruler of all of that. Now, I want to tell a few things first of all you don't i know that what we are hearing about this world right now makes it very very tempting and we would make dua to allah to live in that world don't because you don't know what will happen to you when you go through the antichrist and yeah i know that this is very tempting and very blessed and beautiful but don't don't try to you know because again remember Many people will die during the Antichrist. Maybe many people will die during the time of Yajujim. It's going to be a very difficult time. So just, you know, inshallah, we shall get this life. We, As a matter of fact, you should make dua that you wouldn't live. As a matter of fact, it's part of our prayers. Allahumma qina fitnatil mahi wal mamatu fitnatil masih dajjal This is part of our prayers. That's a dua that you should make. It's a sunnah. It's not obligatory. But it's a dua that you make uh, right before you do taslim. But before you say, Salaamu alaykum wa rahmatullah during tashahud, you say, oh Allah, protect us from Masih al-Dajjal. We basically don't want to make dua that we don't want to live through that time. Because to go to the beautiful, peaceful era of, of, of this, this, this new phase of earth, you have to go through this. Because it's a reward to those who struggled through the times of the Antichrist and Yajud Majuj. So just you know, keep in mind that it's not an easy thing to obtain. It comes with a cost. 
Now, another thing is that, remember the hadith that we mentioned last time that the Prophet ﷺ said, people will be able to perform hajj and umrah and plant and cultivate and trade after Ya'ajuj Majuj, even after Ya'ajuj Majuj, that is the time right now. This is the era that the Prophet ﷺ is talking about. People will perform hajj, it's going to be peaceful. And umrah, multiple times, subhanAllah, nothing stopping them. No expensive fees that you know Muslims are facing right now to go perform Hajj and Umrah. Not, none of that. As a matter of fact, during the reign of Jesus Christ, peace be upon him, there will be surplus in terms of like charity. People won't. They will try to pay the, the government. The the uh, Jesus Christ will build or will establish will will be responsible paying charity to those who don't have money. Right. But here's the thing: nobody will need money. During such time Think about it Who needs money When one pomegranate Feeds an entire Group of people Who needs money When a piece of lamb Feeds almost An entire village Or one Let's say that One lamb Feeds an entire village Who will need money There will be nobody Literally The Prophet said They will look for people Who need money They won't find any That will accept charity There will be in A surplus There will be way more Extra money that they won't know where to And again money will come from trading Life will go back to normal Like we said After after the apocalypse of Yajudah Life will go back to normal There will be money There will be trading But nobody's, nobody needs the money SubhanAllah Imagine this world Can you imagine the world we live in right now You don't need money to live You don't need money to survive You are living And you have more than enough food And shelter and homes And you do whatever you want You go outside You play with tigers And, and imagine this world Imagine it, Ya Allah. But again, it comes with a price. Don't forget that. It comes with living through the time of the Antichrist and Yajuj Majuj. Be careful. So, this is a time that, and also regarding the non-Muslims who will live under the kingdom, if you want to call it, or the ruling of Jesus Christ. They will be allowed to practice whatever. But Jesus Christ will do something very interesting. Here's the thing. The Prophet said, Yaksuru Salib. Jesus Christ will break the cross because it's a false symbol. It's a false symbol, according to us. There's no crucifixion didn't happen to Jesus Christ at all. Someone else was on the cross, which makes it a false symbol, right? So it is a false symbol. So Jesus, imagine Jesus Christ will break the cross in front of everyone. As a sign of, we worship Allah. We do not worship the cross. The cross means nothing. Never meant anything to true believers. To the right believers. To those who are upon the truth. This is authentic hadith. Jesus Christ will break the cross in during his era, during his reign. And he will get rid of the swine. He will say, he will abolish. Nobody eats swine. He will himself forbid eating pork. For those, again, who... Again, there will be Christians... Still alive, like we said, disbelievers, people who won't believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And imagine them looking at Jesus Christ, knowing he is Jesus Christ, living under his dominion, and seeing him breaking the cross, abolishing, getting rid of the swine. We don't eat this. We never were meant to. And saying, La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. Imagine Jesus Christ is saying, La ilaha illallah. Muhammad is his prophet and messenger and praying the five daily prayers leading the salah with everyone my dear brothers and sisters for those our beautiful converts 
Imagine that day. Imagine that era where Christians who worshipped Jesus, he's standing right in front of them, worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Following the sunnah of Prophet Muhammad Shouldn't that make you proud? Wallahi, it gives me goosebumps. It makes me so proud. Being a Muslim, being upon the truth. Because that's what will happen, inshallah. Now, some people, as soon as they see this, they will convert. They will become Muslims because, come on, what else do you want? What more of a proof do you need to become a Muslim? However, some people are still stubborn. They will not follow and they will be given the freedom of worship. Like always, Islam, by the way, this is in the Quran, in the chapter of Baqarah. You do not force anyone for, you know, to follow a specific religion. This is in the chapter of Baqarah. And also in the chapter of Kafirun. You have your religion, I have mine. This is always preached in Islam. However, and this is, by the way, an Islamic law that we probably forgotten about. But it's a very, very well-established Islamic law that when you as a non-Muslim lives, and by the way, the Prophet made that happen in Medina. If you are a non-Muslim living in a Muslim land, and by the way, all of earth will be a Muslim land because it's ruled by a Muslim uh, Muslim ruler, a Muslim king, Prophet Isa, you have to pay something called jizya, which is taxes. And taxes that Muslims won't have to pay. Why? Because you live in a Muslim land, you're being protected by a Muslim government. Think about it. When you live in the West, you have to pay taxes, right? You don't say no. Same thing. You, ha- you will be protected by the Muslim government, by the Muslim army. So this is a part of you being a non-Muslim and a Muslim. That's all they have to do. Pay the jizya or the taxes of being non-Muslims. That's all. And they will live there peacefully, by the way. Now, some might say, well, wait a second. You're saying that they will pay taxes for, you know, protection, to be protected by the Muslim government and, and, and you know, all these things. But then you're also saying that this will be the time of peace. So why would they need protection? It's a very valid question, right? Again, we're saying that non-Muslims will pay the taxes for, uh, you know, for the, for the, the Muslim government. Uh, so they can get protection, so they can live comfortably and enjoy life in a Muslim land, in a Muslim ruling, right? But then we're also saying that this world won't have any wars, won't have any types of dangers. It's going to be peaceful. So why would they need to pay money when the world is already at peace, right? It's a very valid question. Well, there are three ways to, to look at that. There are three possibilities or three opinions, if you want to call it. The first one, which is the strongest one, which the one that is it has the most grounded proof from the Quran and the Sunnah, is that that peace, those blessings will be only for believers. Remember, what did we say? It will be a reward for the patience of the believers during difficult times. Not for the disbelievers who probably some of them joined the Antichrist you know, some of them didn't even think about, you know, joining Jesus Christ and the Mahdi in the mountain of Tur. They were just living there. So why would they be rewarded? Why would animals not harm them? Why would people not fight them? So the first opinion, the first possibility, which makes perfect sense, and it's, it is the strongest one, according to the hadith, these rewards are only for the believers. 
the it, those those rewards, those blessings, those you know that that peaceful time does not apply to the disbelievers, to the non-Muslims. So those people still need the protection of the Muslims. Makes sense. So that is a possibility. And again, this is the most the the one that makes the most sense. You can say the second possibility is that they won't know. Like what we know right now is according to the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, that it will be a time of peace. Animals won't harm uh, people, won't harm each other. Well, we know that because we are believers, alhamdulillah. We study the sunnah, we study the Quran. And the believers at the time, what we like we said, they might not know many of these things. So they will live just through this life. We know, we have a glimpse of the future. Most likely they won't have that glimpse and they won't know anything in advance. So they, you know, in order for them to be tested, like we mentioned before. Well, if the Muslims at the time might not know, that means also the, most likely the believers, the disbelievers won't know. Do you, do you get it? We know that it's a time of peace because it's in our books. It's in our ahadith, in the Quran. However, disbelievers won't, they don't know any of this. So they will still need to be protected, even though they don't need it. You guys get it. So it makes sense. The third possibility is that, well, regardless of protection or no protection, they need to pay the taxes to live and enjoy in a Muslim land. Enjoy life in a Muslim land. You know, you live in this land, whether there is war or not. Again, you pay taxes, whether there are war or not in the West, and you have to pay taxes. As a matter of fact, the concept of taxes is almost everywhere. But again, you pay taxes, not necessarily because there's a war about to happen and they have to be protected. You just pay because you live in that land and you have to pay the taxes. So it's one of the possibilities. Again, the strongest one is that the blessings will be applied only to the believers. Hence, the disbelievers, the people who practice other religions, they will need that protection. Or they just simply won't know that that will be time of global peace and know that there will be no enemies coming after them, so they will still have to pay it. Or, again, they have to pay it regardless, and it doesn't matter if there is you know war or not. And, again, for those people who won't follow Jesus Christ, and again, because you might think, well, if they're Christians and they see Jesus and there are obviously some miracles that are happening during you know the time of Yajuja Majuja or the Antichrist, why would they not follow Jesus? Well, remember, all the disbelievers at the time won't be just Christians. There will be Jews, there will be Buddhists, there will be people who just worship idols. It's not just, so some people might not even believe in Jesus Christ in the first place. So if they see him in front of them, yeah, we never believed in you anyway. So you know what I mean? So yeah, that, that will leave a chance for uh, a lot of people, or not a huge amount, but a lot of people will... Uh, non-Muslims, disbelievers will live under the Muslim uh, ruling and paying the jizya for you know the reasons that we mentioned. Now, the Prophet ﷺ tells us something very interesting, and we're going to get into that the, the the three opinions regarding this hadith. The Prophet ﷺ, when he's describing to us what's you know what's what this these events, he said what. Jesus Christ, when he, you know, will have this era, his reign, he is ruling, and he will rule with justice and all these things. Then he will stay on earth for 40 years. Then he will die and he will be buried. And the Muslims will pray Janazah, the, 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 the burial rituals. They will perform burial rituals on him. Of course, he's a Muslim. Jesus Christ is a Muslim. There's no denying that. So he will die a, a, a natural death, of course. Again, in such era, nothing will happen to him. He will die a natural death. 
Now, a lot of people are talking about this 40 years, the hadith that mentions 40 years. What's up with that? Now, does that mean that he will live after Yajuja Majuj 40 years or after he is descended uh, during the time of the Antichrist? He will live 40 years. That's a lot of time for people to, for the Prophet to say that the Day of Judgment will happen anytime. Now, 40 years is a lot, you know, a long time. So a lot of people are questioning the idea of 40 years. So there are, like, is he actually going to live 40 years on top of his lifetime that he already lived? By the way, the Prophet Isa, he was lifted up when he was about 33 years old. He was lifted up when he was about 33 years old. And aging-wise, his time stopped because time is different in the heavens, right? So time stopped. He's still 33 as, as far as we know, let's say. Let's say that he's still 33. So some people are saying now, there are three opinions. And again, it doesn't really matter because it doesn't affect us in any way, shape, or form. It's just very interesting to know. As usual, the debate or the differences are always something that doesn't touch our religion, alhamdulillah. It's just, uh, are they there now or not? Talking about Yajuja Majuja or the Antichrist. Is this uh, you know different from this? And and again, the, the timing that he will spend doesn't make any difference in our theology, in our Islam. However, it's very interesting to explore the three opinions. The first opinion is that he would, uh, that, that Jesus Christ was meant to live on earth for 40 years as total. He was lifted at the age of 33. That means he will live seven more years, then he will die at the age of 40. That is the opinion that I agree with the, the most. Again, that is the opinion that I agree with the most, that the Prophet Isa was meant to live 40, because the hadith says he will stay 40 years on earth, total. That Now the scholars are saying that, but was meant that it was total of 40 years. He was lifted when he was 33, and then he will live and his kingdom will be seven years. That makes to me more sense that it will be only a few years left for the rest of the major signs to take place. Only seven years, right? Or seven years or so, about seven years. Uh, And when he reaches the age of 40, he will die and the Muslims will perform janazah on him. He will die and will be buried then. So that is the first opinion. The second opinion is, no, he will live. He's 33 and then he will uh, come. And when he was sent back, he will be 33 again when he is sent back. And he will live for extra 40 years. That will make his age 73 years old. He will die at the age of 73. Possibility, maybe. We don't know. Now, the third opinion is that, here's the interesting part. And it's it's related to a hadith that the Prophet explicitly said, after seven years, after seven years, the people will start doing bad things. That people, meaning the people who lived under the ruling of Jesus Christ, will start to do bad things. And I'm going to explain. We have to talk about that. But just I'm just saying there's another hadith that now says, okay, so seven years, after seven years. So, so the scholars from the first opinion said what? Well, that's meant that he will live, that Jesus Christ will live for seven years. And after the seven years, people will start to do bad things, meaning after his death that he will live for seven years as a ruler. And after the seven years, when he's dead, people will start to, you know, start sinning again and all the bad things. Because again, it's a time where nobody's sinning. Nobody's holding grudges. No, there's no fights, no wars, nothing. Not even two people arguing. After the seven years, after his death. And that, by the way, this hadith, part of it kind of confirms the first opinion that the whole seven years part. So after seven years, people go back to, you know, doing bad deeds and, and sinning and all these things. 
But some people are saying, no, 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 no. That's the third opinion. They're saying, no, no, no. The seven years will start after the death of Jesus Christ. So he will die at the age of, the second opinion, at the age of 73. And then seven years after, after his death, people will start sinning. So the, the third opinion is actually agreeing with the second opinion. And it's also agreeing with, if you, it depends on how you interpret the third opinion. The, the third opinion is a split. Some people interpret the third opinion as no, 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 no. It was, it's the the, the the or the third hadith, if you want to call it. The third hadith hadith means that no, he will live and rule for seven years and then he will die and then people will start, you know, doing bad things. And the people who follow the second opinion to say no, 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 no. It was meant that after his death, after he's seventy three and he dies, uh, that after that, with seven years, people will start sinning and going doing bad things. So it depends. Again, it really doesn't matter, 40 or 7. It really doesn't matter. It won't affect our religion. However, I tend to uh, follow the, 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 the first opinion uh, because there's nothing else that contradicts that. Uh, it's also a matter of opinion. Again, it's a matter of how do you read the hadith, right? So uh, I believe that, again, it's my own, my own uh, opinion is that I follow the first opinion, which is he will be sent back at the age of 33 and then he will spend extra seven years then he will die at the age of 40 now regardless there's another debate on where he will be buried there's another debate on where he will be buried now there is uh, an opinion and a very strong one by the way one of the first rabbis when the prophet entered medina by the name of Abdullah ibn Salam. He was a rabbi when the Prophet came to Medina and he would follow the right Torah. He would follow the right Torah that doesn't exist anymore, right? And from the Torah, he predicted, the Torah predicted that, oh, this is a prophet. That's why he immediately believed. And when he heard the, 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 the Prophet, he's famous, like, you know, feed the poor, feed those who are hungry, keep people at peace and spread the peace. He immediately followed the Prophet and he became a Muslim and he became from the companions. He said this. He said that from the, the now the, he's talking about the original Torah, the correct, the true Torah that now is no longer the, the, does no longer exist. He said what? He said the Torah mentioned Jesus Christ. Torah mentioned that there will be a prophet. Because Torah, by the way, that was the time of Moses. Peace be upon him. Jesus Christ wasn't there. Prophet Muhammad wasn't there. So he's saying the Torah mentions something about Jesus Christ. We know about him, the true Torah, and also mentions something about the Prophet Sallallahu Prophet Muhammad and it also mentions that both of them will be buried next to each other. Meaning what? After the death of Jesus Christ, after his natural death, after the seven years, assuming it's seven years, he will be buried in Medina next to the Prophet Sallallahu next to the grave of the Prophet Sallallahu Now, this is a great opinion, and he's saying again, he read it in the authentic Torah. However, there's no explicit text coming from the Prophet like the Prophet himself didn't say well Jesus Christ when this he told us the whole story and he told us that you know the Prophet told us that he will the Jesus Christ will be buried uh, by Muslims he will they will perform salah on him the the janazah prayers on him and he will be buried as a Muslim the Prophet never mentioned where he will be buried that doesn't mean that he's not going to be buried next to him and because if he would be buried next to the Prophet the Prophet would have said something no sometimes the Prophet doesn't say anything because he was not commanded to say certain things and in the Quran doesn't mention anything about Jesus Christ where he will be buried and all these things. So 
to make it clear, to be on the clear side, we have no explicit text from the Quran nor the Sunnah where Jesus Christ will be buried. However, there's a companion, a very, by the way, Abdullah ibn Salam is a very respectable companion. He's a very well known companion who was a rabbi before. Mentions that the Torah, the real Torah, that again, we can't find anywhere because the, the, the authentic one disappeared a long time ago, mentioned that. Jesus Christ uh, or insinuated that Jesus Christ will be buried to next to the Prophet and one of the people who narrated that hadith and now it's not a hadith uh, narrated that story uh, uh, from uh, Abdullah ibn Salam one of the narrator who is from the tabi'in he said that there is actually a place there's a, a very uh, an empty spot next to the Prophet next to the grave of the Prophet just for Jesus Christ to be buried in. Again, one of the narrators of the story of Abdullah ibn Salam that Jesus Christ will be buried next to the Prophet one of those narrators said that there is an empty spot just left there. It's an empty spot left to accommodate the body of Jesus Christ, peace be upon him, when he dies in the future. Now, this is a fact. This is reality. This is not a speculation because there is indeed an empty spot next to the grave of the Prophet ﷺ. There is indeed that exists that nobody is allowed to bury anyone or any anything in. It's just, just left as an empty area, an empty spot. It's there. The empty spot is there. This is a fact and you cannot deny. This is an undeniable fact that the empty spot is there. Now, we don't know in the future, and Allah knows best, but we don't know what will happen in the future. We don't know if Jesus Christ will be buried there or not. That's what we do not know. We know that he will die a natural death, and the Muslims will pray janazah on him, but we do not know if he will, uh, whether he will be buried next to the Prophet ﷺ or not. But what we know is that there is this empty spot next to the grave of the Prophet ﷺ. Um, and again, at the end of the day, Allah knows best. Now, after the death of, of Jesus Christ, uh, peace be upon him, little by little, the minor signs will start to appear. Not the minor sins, the minor signs. Because the minor signs are related to major sins. You know, come some of the minor signs, people murdering, uh, not knowing why they murdered those. Who, remember we mentioned all the minor signs, they will start to happen. People will start to sin. Now, we're assuming that after the death of Jesus Christ, maybe Al-Mahdi will be dead as well. We don't know anything, by the way, about Al-Mahdi past the point of Jajjajjajj. We don't know anything after that. We don't know if he's going to, when is he going to die, when, we don't know. So we're assuming that maybe there will be not a very specific leader after the death of Jesus Christ that will unite the Muslims. They will start after that peace era, that, that perfect timing. Perfect timing, perfect era, perfect reign. After the death of Jesus Christ, people will start to sin. Adultery will come back. Murder will come back. Imagine this, drinking alcohol, cheating one another. Injustice will spread. Can you imagine? And to the degree that this belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, people will start, it will end. Like all this list will end with people started to disbelieve in Allah all over again. It's going to happen again. Disbelieving in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And that will bring the dark times That will bring the fourth major sign That we, we because of that 
because of this peaceful era and the ending of this peaceful era with basically ending on a bad note when people and people will be people when they don't see the leader there when they don't see someone to you know strengthen their faith they will start doing bad things and horrible things and again the minor sins will become major sins and that will bring the minor signs all over again when that happens that will mark the beginning of the fourth major sign and the rest of the signs will happen really quickly so uh, inshallah next episode we will cover multiple major signs not just one and from from then eh, things will get really dark it will be the not as bad as uh yeah juja and and uh, and the antichrist but it will be bad in terms of like it won't be caused by people or some individual like the antichrist or juja majuj the darkness or the the, the 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 difficulties will be natural events so again the difficulties that took place the first big difficulties and technically the last difficulties on earth will be the antichrist and yeah caused by people human beings right terrible human beings but people at the end of the day the rest of the major signs will all be supernatural will all be natural well supernatural and natural at the same time it will be natural events uh, events that made up by nature by allah subhanahu wa ta'ala directly not by people getting involved and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala again protect us and not make us live through that time. Because again, yes, there are beautiful moments during the seven, let's say the seven years of the reign of Jesus Christ. But before them, it's dark times. And obviously after that will be also dark times. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.